Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The Hispanic community is the nation's largest racial and ethnic minority. It's time health research included your voice. That's why the All of Us research program exists. If you participate in All of Us, not only would you help your community, you can also receive your free genetic ancestry trait results. With this information and more, researchers may be able to conduct a variety of studies about health and diseases that affect the Hispanic community. Visit joinallofus.org slash your health to contribute. Again, joinallofus.org slash your health. Welcome to the very first episode of It's Not a Crisis. I'm your host, Doran Wallach, and I am very excited to get this started, and I am so grateful that you're joining me for this first episode. This podcast is for women in their 40s who are navigating the joys and the challenges of midlife and learning to make the most of it. Another piece of advice that we sort of give women at this stage is, you know, we all have these visions in our head of things that we've had on our bucket list forever, or they can be big or small. And really commit, like choose three things that you want to do or try. It could be learning guitar. It can be taking a trip. Our very first guest today is Amy Novale. Amy inspired this entire podcast, and I'm going to quickly tell you how I met Amy. Um, we were on vacation, and I saw Amy sitting at a hotel with her kids, and she was peacefully reading a magazine on her lounge chair, and my kids were like toddlers, and they were clawing me and, you know, had a lot of needs. And I looked at Amy and her kids were playing in the pool and she was relaxed. And I said, when will I get to do that? <laughs> How long until my kids uh, will let me do that? And it was really funny because I was just on vacation in December and I texted Amy a picture of my 12-year-old daughter reading a magazine on the chair. It's happening. Uh, she did laugh and reassure me that soon enough it would happen. So we started to chat and I loved her immediately. And um, one of the things that I loved about her was that she was just very real and honest. And uh, we had started talking and Amy told me that she had written a book called I Was a Really Good Mom Before I Had Kids. And um, I had read the book and I said to her, oh my God, I love that book because it's so brutally honest in a wonderful way that it gave women permission to just feel what we were feeling and not feel alone. And and by the way, I still use that quote all the time when I'm with a woman who's not a parent, who's super judgmental. And I always say, you know, I was a really good mom too before I had kids. <laughs> that's, that's I swear, I use it all the time. Um, so Amy is a best-selling Oprah-featured co-author of four books, all designed to empower and inspire women at various stages of their lives. The first book that I mentioned, I was a really good mom before I had kids. Then came, I would trade my husband for a housekeeper, also genius title, and Dirty Little Secrets from Otherwise Perfect Moms. She's also the co-founder of Ash and Ames, a company showcasing unique jewelry handmade by various female artisans around the globe. Amy's latest venture, which is also brilliant, is called Love Amy, a dating concierge service that marries the technology of modern day dating with a holistic view of human to human energy and connection. And if she'll come back, I'm definitely having her back on to talk about that topic. I have gotten 
I think I've told you this, countless messages on Instagram from women who want to know about dating in their 40s and 50s. So amazing. That'd be great. Um, so Amy's most recent book that she co-authored with her best friend, Trisha Ashworth, Just When You're Comfortable in Your Own Skin, It Starts to Sag. Another genius title. I was probably dealing with some things in my own life and, uh, you know, I'd seen on social media that Amy had written this book and, um, I read it in one night. It's a very easy read for a lot of us that are busy and don't have time to read a self-help, self-help book. We're able to do, I was able to read it very quickly. Um, it's a wonderful mix of quizzes to make yourself check in as well as candid and honest quotes by women on many different topics about midlife and just tons of great advice. It's, um, it's really great. Honestly, I love it so much. And I just showed Amy my book and there, there are little folded pages, <laughs> notes, arrows, exclamation points. That's my favorite. <laughs> really? <laughs> so Amy, I am so happy for you to be here. And I'm so happy that you took a chance on me for my first podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. You're phenomenal. And this is going to be a huge success. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. And I'm a little nervous today. So I just wanted to mention that this might not be my, it's my probably best hormones. I, it's definitely <laughs> hormones. I mean, a hundred percent, you know, anxiety, hormones, they all go together. So let's just embrace yes. it. <laughs> okay. So I want to start by asking you, since you inspired my podcast with your book, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah. So Trisha, as you mentioned, my best friend and co-author and co-teammate and all the ventures, uh, we were kind of feeling stuck in our own lives. And we were in the middle of this jewelry venture, Ashen Ames. And at no point should we have thought about writing a book. We were knee deep in you know this whole entrepreneurial thing. But we were feeling like it was sort of this perfect storm. Like, hold on, what is going on? Like our hormones were going crazy. We had like early teenagers who were driving us insane and they started to become hormonal. We had aging parents who were starting to need us in different ways. Our husbands were kind of going a little sideways in terms of like, there, where were we each on each other's priority lists? So everything just started to unravel and we're in the middle of this venture and we looked at each other and we thought, okay, we might have to start interviewing women to see if this is a thing or if this is just once again, us being crazy. And we had to do it in secret because our husbands were like, and my ex, my ex-husband, my husband at the time and Trisha's husband looked at us like, you can't take your eye off the ball. What are you doing? So we started interviewing women in secret and sure enough, we started hearing themes and we looked at each other one day and said, we have to write a book. And we did it in total secrecy. Like we flew out to San Francisco. We pitched our publisher. We got the book deal all in secret. Amazing. And we just knew that this was, we had to write a book that was the roadmap that our mothers literally did not have to give us. Why do you think just uh, this just popped in my head, but why do you think that women can't talk about the stage? It's just it's it's like this secret uh, that you know, we felt so comfortable talking about all these other stages of our lives and now all of a sudden we're we're we have to shut up. <laughs> it, it is really weird. It, it sort of does, I think, stem from this perfectionistic generation uh -huh. where we feel like we're really, really lucky that we have choices in our lives that our moms didn't have. And so we have to make all the right choices. And if we don't make the right choices, then it's our fault. And so there's this like shroud of secrecy around, you know, the struggles that we have. And again, our mothers were not role are not role models for us. So we just think we're strange. We think something's wrong with us. And because we're not talking about it with each other, it just manifests and becomes worse. So it's, it's just so 
imperative that we have one another to talk about and just blow the doors open on this, this topic. I agree. And I also, one of the reasons I called the podcast, it's not a crisis is because I, I think it's, it is scary. You turn 40 and you, you start to get a little, I actually don't even think it's 40. I think it's a little after 40. You start to get a little nervous. Like, oh, my kids aren't needing me as much. Life is changing a little bit. What's going to happen when I don't have as much to do? What's going to happen to my marriage? What's going to happen to my friendships? And it, it's all very scary. My parents and, um, you know, I, I, but I wanted to create this so that we weren't looking at it as doom. It wasn't a crisis. This, we can make the most of these years and we have to look at them in a positive way. Yeah. There's enough negativity in the world. Well, and again, the thing is, right. I mean, the second half of our lives could be the better half. Mm -hmm. And that's a revelation for our generation. You know, if you look at our moms in that generation, it's like they kind of hung up the moo moo Mm -hmm. and said, all right, I checked the boxes and they kind of let themselves go for the most part and really didn't prioritize themselves and certainly didn't think big and dream. Can I interrupt that? Have you met my mother? (laughs) She definitely did not let herself go. Well, that's why you're so phenomenal. There you go. She's like, there's always the exception, right? My mom has her own Instagram handle that I, that I manage on my mom, Arlene on Instagram. You'd see her. If you you look that up, you'll see that she definitely did not let herself go. But I hear you. (laughs) What we look like at our age is not for the most parents were or what they were doing. So most of us are walking around questioning whether we, A, can prioritize ourselves at all, B, do we have permission to reinvent ourselves personally and professionally? What we found is most women feel like they don't have permission. If they do, that they're not sure how to go about the process. And so that was, you know, a huge theme in our book too. So tell me if you were if you were going to give our listeners, if we were going to set the groundwork for this entire podcast, what are things that you would like them to know that we can look forward to or ways that we can enrich our lives and make them better at the stage? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, this may sound a little strange, but you know, we would ask women to prioritize everyone in their lives and they would consistently leave themselves off that list. And so the first step to really embracing this this part of your life that can be the better half is to prioritize yourself. And what does that mean? You know, we throw around the word self care a lot, which I think is a little, it's becoming a little bit ubiquitous. It's, it's sort of hard to define. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean yoga? Does that mean a facial? Does it mean wine? Does it mean a lot of wine (laughs) (laughs) on a daily basis at noon? No, I mean, it's, but it really, it's, it's, you know, who do you, want to become, right? And what does that look like? And how do you start to get there? And really looking inward and figuring out sort of what's missing for yourself. And, and that can, for that's, that can mean doing a little meditation, really, really getting real with yourself. It can mean going away on a silent weekend. It can, it can mean just reading, uh, and, and figuring out kind of where you are in your life and where you want to go. And, and that, you know, you really can only meet other people as deeply as you've met yourself. And at this point in our lives, we have given everything to everybody. We have given to our kids. We have given to our our husbands. We have given to our parents. We have given to our friends. And to really take a, literally stop, stop everything and take a look inward. It's scary. It's really scary to do, but it's necessary to move forward. And I think it's really necessary to start that in your early forties, because I think that if you can learn those, you you can learn how to take care of yourself now. I think when you're 
if you're a mom or if you're not a mom, I think at the point in, in life, things change no matter what. And I think that you need to have those tools, not all of a sudden be left with them at some point when your kids go to college. And then, you know, you're looking at yourself like, oh, God, what, Absolutely. what now? And that's why so many marriages fail at that point, too, because you, you look at each other. You haven't done the work individually. You certainly haven't done the work together. And that's why you end up a lot of women end up feeling really, really alone and scared. So that first step is looking inward and, and on who you are and reevaluate reevaluating the relationship you have with yourself. So that's really it. And then from there, then you can start to reevaluate your relationships with others. So what what does your relationship look like with your friends? A lot of times we hang on to friendships that aren't so healthy and, and a little bit toxic even, and they're reflecting back on us versus, you know, pruning some of those friendships and, and choosing carefully. Again, Looking at your marriage, if you're married, uh, what does that look like? And are you truly, truly fulfilled and happy? Uh, can you do something to fix it? Is it time to let it go? And that happened to me when I was in the course of writing this book, I realized I had to leave my marriage of 20 years. So yeah, I couldn't write this book in good faith, uh, honoring other women and not face my own challenges. So it ended up being the best thing I've ever done in my life. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. But tough. Um, yeah. And and with your family too, you know, it's, it's in your children. If you have kids, you know, what is that relationship? Has it become codependent? Has it become one-sided? Um, have you given them the wings to fly at this point? And if you haven't, you need to take a look at that. So I love, like that. love, love, love this point. I also feel like just coming into your forties, you do start to get a little bit of like, I just don't give a crap anymore oh, yeah. about anything. Yeah, can we swear? Just, Seriously. Yeah, we can swear. We can totally swear. Um, I feel like you definitely start to get rid of friendships. I think you you definitely look at the relationship with your kids, trying to teach them more independence. Um, I think my kids get angry with me when I try to teach them independence, which is so interesting. Mm. Um, like they're like they're so dependent on you, and they don't want the independence. Yeah, I don't, sometimes they do, and then sometimes they don't. And I think more times they don't want the independence because they want something to be done for them. You know? Right. We've conditioned <laughs> them, right? We've conditioned them. Um, but I've, I'm a true believer in doing that because I do think about, you know, just a short time. My daughter's in sixth grade. She's going to be in college. I mean, it's, you know, it's not, it's not that far away. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. So that's, that's really, that's really, really important. And, you know, Again, knowing that you have permission to reinvent yourself, you have permission to make these tough choices. I think permission was a big word that we found that women were afraid. Do I, can I, do I have permission to, to make these, you know, huge, um, choices and, and giving yourself permission to think a little differently than you thought in the past to, to make choices that maybe your friends wouldn't make to, um, make choices that are really scary for you and dream big and think about, you know, do you really, really want that job? Do you want to keep that job you've had for 20 years because your mom thinks you're a really good event planner? It's like, how do you gain permission and courage to make some of these choices? I have a funny story to tell you that um, is really interesting. I have a, a friend who's a, a wonderful personal stylist and she's got great taste and, and not necessarily what I would expect for my own taste. And I think that she pushes my boundaries a little bit. And I love that about her. Um, and she came into my closet in the fall and I was like, listen, can you just put together some outfits for me? Cause you know, you remember Cher and, um, 
clueless how she had the computer where she would just scroll oh, yeah. through to pick her outfit. That's like I was dreamy. Like, I, I want that. I, mean, I just want that. <laughs> Can you just do that? <laughs> so she she took a bunch of her. Her name is Nicole Russo. I will uh, give you her information. I actually will have her on the show at some point. Um, and she put together a bunch of outfits for me and she calls me. And at the time I was doing a lot of personal work. I was feeling everything that we're talking about. And uh, she called me up. She said, I have to tell you something and I, and, and don't take it personally. I think it'll actually help you. And I hope I'm not saying too much, but I feel like by looking at your closet, you're living in two different worlds. Right. And I said, and she's like, I feel like there's a little, like half your closet is kind of what your mom expects you to be. Right. And the other half is totally who you are. <laughs> and, right. And she said, I know that sounds really crazy. I said, you are so right. Wow. You know, that's a cool diagnosis. It, it was really interesting because I think that plays out in a lot of places. Not that my mom is not wonderful and I love her, but I think it's about, I think I always, um, envied my mom and looked up to my mom. She was such a role model for me that I think a lot of times in my head, it's what it, who is Doran and who is Doran supposed to be, even though she's always let me be who I am. It's a hard thing to explain, but totally. And yeah. we talk about this in the book, like really reevaluate the expectations that you have for your life and where are they coming from? Yeah. We, in our forties and beyond, we hold on to these expectations. And once you break it down, really think about it, take a piece of paper, write them out. Mm-hmm. You're able to sort of see what you really want versus what others want for you. And then you can start to shift your decision-making and make different choices for yourself moving forward. But it's, yeah, that's a real thing. I love that. Okay. What else is, give us some more. This is great. Yeah. So really thinking about the things that are meaningful to you um, at this point in your life. And, and, and what I mean by that is really like the things that feed your soul, right? Um, it's a really hard thing to sit down and ponder and you certainly can't do it in one sitting, but you know, what are the things that bring you joy? Like really make your heart sing. And at this point in our life, in our lives, we really haven't done that kind of thinking. We haven't been allowed to, we haven't, we don't have the time to do that, but, but taking, even if it's a few hours on a Saturday and really, you know, there's this great book that my friend wrote and you actually should have her on this podcast. And it, the book is called Manifesting Made Easy. And it's about manifesting what you want in your life. And I actually did this work a couple of years ago. I, over a weekend, I got a journal. It's a workbook and you sit down and you just follow the prompts. And it was stunning to me how I really wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. And if you go back and read that journal from two years ago, it is my life today. My life is completely different than it was personally and professionally. And so it really is imperative that we, you know, again, take the time to start thinking that way. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of women at this stage are so scared of failure. Yes. And maybe we've failed in our lives thus far, or feel like we failed in certain ways, we're certainly afraid of, of making mistakes. And it's okay to embrace the failure. You know, a lesson that Trish and I learned with our joy company, it's like, fail fast. If you're going to fail, fail fast and keep moving. And that is, we found that was a theme with women, these perfectionistic women in this generation is that the fear of failure really is holding us back. And I also think that we can do no right. You know, I I know that my friends who are stay-at-home moms feel like they could be doing more. My friends that are working feel like they could be with their kids more or they could be doing better in their career. We're never satisfied. Uh, And I think that's a really large thing that women our age struggle with is just never feeling 100% and on top of guilt about everything. I mean, 
you cannot have it all at once. Right. You really can't. And right. I think that, that there's a huge myth in this generation that, oh, we're so lucky we can have it all. And do you feel you're a little bit older than me? Do you feel like you're starting to give up that notion knowing that you can't have it all? I kind of feel like I have it all at the you moment. Do. <laughs> but I didn't always. And I think, I think, um, it took a lot of time and you, and you have, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you. It is, it, I feel so lucky and blessed and take not one day for granted. And, um, but it did take a while. It took a while to sort of tackle each, you know, element of my life, you know, and like first I had to really tackle the personal challenges and I had to disengage from a 20 year marriage and 26 year relationship. And then I had to really think about professionally what I wanted in my life and what would bring me joy. And, and I really am living that dream now, but, um, a year and a half ago, I met the love of my life and um, completely rocked both of our worlds. We're going to definitely, I want to delve into that. I want to, I, I like almost want to save the story yeah. for the, for our episode on dating because yeah. I think it'll be so good. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep you guys in suspense for totally. how she met him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that it, yeah, it's a good story. Yeah. I assume that though, at some point in your life, in your marriage, that wasn't the first time you had this realization. Yeah. I mean, the marriage part is, it gets hard. I mean, it's, it's no surprise, you know, the divorce rate is super high and more divorces happen. The older we get, it sort of plateaus after the kids leave, you either figure it out real fast or you don't. Marriage is really, really tough because it, unless you are self-actualizing individually, mm-hmm. which most of us are not when we're in the throes of raising children and we're neglecting the relationship, we're not prioritizing. Everybody talks about date night. Well, that's fine. If you're going out and you're watching a movie and then you're coming back and putting the kids through it, like, that's not really going to help your relationship. So like, what does it mean to sort of like work on yourselves individually and then work together? That almost never happens. Yeah. And so... You know, we found in researching this book that, you know, women were stunned when we asked them the question, like, how do you prioritize your marriage? What are you doing to nourish it? And we would hear just silence. No, because at the end of the day, especially when you have children you've and a business or whatever else, you've given everything to everybody and they come last. And you really hope oh, that it'll just to. be okay. Like you hope that you guys will just kind of come back around. And once the kids are more independent, you'll have more time together. And the, it's actually the reverse. It's it really, if you haven't nourished the relationship, you tend to sort of go veer off on your own paths and little, it just erodes over time usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just, it's really important to take a look at. It's work too. I mean, it's I work. think I, I remember before I got married, I've been married almost 17 years. And I remember before I got married, Someone said, Oh, marriage is work. <clears throat> and I was in my first year and I'm like, this isn't work. It shouldn't be work. I don't, it shouldn't be work. I think that that doesn't happen until after you have kids and then, and then it almost doesn't happen until the kids are a little older and you can come up for air. Yeah. And then you say, Oh, okay. We need to reconnect. We need to, you know, spend time getting to know each other again in a different way. We need yeah. to travel alone. We need to maybe get into couples therapy and kind of rediscover each other. And I think that, um, you know, I think to mothers with little kids, I think it's important to note that you can get that reconnection. Well, also too, what are we modeling? Right. You know, we're trying to raise little human beings to have good, healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So if we're not paying attention to our relationship and they're watching that. Absolutely. So if you're, you know, I remember with my ex, you know, I think our firstborn was like, maybe six months old, we went away for the weekend Mm -hmm. and the immense judgment that we 
faced from people going like, I can't believe you're leaving him. Oh my God. Oh God. We did. We did that all the time. And we still do it all the time. Which is great, but like, it's very rare. Oh, oh, it is. It is. And so, you know, but remembering that you're modeling a healthy relationship. Right. And and so by you prioritizing that, you're helping your kids. I always say to my kids, why are you going out? I said, because daddy and I are going on a date. Daddy and I love to spend time together. And if you want us to be a better mommy and daddy to you, we That's need awesome. to spend time together. That's right? amazing. I think it's important to say that to them. It's so important. I've said to say that, that since the time they were little. Well, well done because yeah, that's thanks. really, really rare. That's great. Yeah. So that's that's super important. You know, another thing to remember at this stage is to ask for help. I think, again, we heard over and over. I feel so alone. Yeah. I feel so alone in this, and you know, we would change the names of every woman that we interviewed because that was the only way we'd get the truth, and we would hear from them. I know I must be the only person feeling this way, but I feel like, you know, I don't fit in right now I, into my, even my life. I feel like I'm, I'm, I've lost myself. I feel like I'm not a good friend or I feel like I'm not a good mom and, and I don't know how to find myself again. And so asking for help is so critically important, whether it's help because you feel anxiety, depression, whether it's help because you just can't manage your life and you need help like literally help from a friend to come like watch your children or help you figure out this piece of, you know, this aging parent or whatever it is. It It is sort of stunning how many women sort of think they should have it all together and they're suffering in silence. So ask for help. I, I love that. I think it's very hard, as you mentioned, for most women. Um, I think that personally, if I, I am not one to ask for help, and that's something I've really worked on recently. Um, and, and as soon as I go for help, I look at my friends and they're, everyone's just so busy and stressed or anxious about their own things. You feel guilty about right. asking for help. But, but when a good friend turns to you and says, you know, Dorn, I really need you. Yeah. How good does that make you feel? Yeah. You want to help. So remembering that like we're a sisterhood and yeah. you don't need a tribe of 20 women, by the way, it's no way. literally one or two yeah. that has your back, that knows you mm-hmm. and won't judge you. Yeah. And if you have one or two, then you're ahead of the game. I definitely do. So. Yeah, totally. And another thing that is kind of surprising and interesting that sort of um, can help you find the light within you is um, mentoring mentoring another mom friend, mentoring another woman, mentoring another child, uh, mentoring someone in your, within your business, you know, in, in your field. Um, and again, that sort of speaks to the good feeling that you have when you do help. But, um, you know, we don't always have time. We think we should be volunteering and doing all of these things, but it doesn't have to be that. It can just be stopping for a second and saying, Hey, it looks like you might be struggling with that. Can I help you? I've done that before. Um, so mentoring in some way and, and mentoring our kids, you know, we feel like, you know, in raising our children, you know, we always need to be teaching them, but mentoring is a little different, you know, and that can be just sitting with your child and and talking to them about, wow, I noticed you had anxiety and I have that too. And, you know, how can, how can I help you kind of talk you through it? Um, just things that our parents really never helped us with, or, or rarely, maybe your rock star mom did, but um, a lot of our parents didn't. So no, I, I, I think we had discussed this. Um, I read a book that I feel like everybody should read, and I'm not going to go into it. But, but the the premise of the book was our parents' generation, this boomer generation, about how they really they weren't raised to kind of openly discuss things with their parents, and therefore a little of that trickled down to us. Um, and 
it, it just it shows how we were shaped based on the way our parents were raised and the way they raised us. Totally. And then how we're trying to be more communicative with our kids and, and talk about real issues and talk about the way that we feel. It just wasn't okay for our parents to talk about the way right. they feel. And we're guinea pigs. Yeah. We're trying to learn this for the first time. Right. Like, how are we supposed to know what to do? My daughter would say I share too much. She doesn't need <laughs> to hear any of it. <laughs> well, that's part of it too. If they get a little older, they're like mortified. Mortified. You know? Like she's mortified by everything, everything, <laughs> like things that are just like, the other day I walk, I ran out of my room and my daughter, Emily looked me up and down and she's like, are you, you know, wear that. Oh, how and, old is she? Well, she's 15 yeah. turning 16. Uh-huh. And I, you know, shrugged it off and I, she went into her room and I ran and changed. I, I understand that. And it's like, cause no one's going to be more honest than your kid. But the, I, my, I remember doing that to my, my poor mom, but I, I, <laughs> I, I know I hear you. I mean, I could not believe that I was changing and I was sort of swearing at myself while I was changing. Yes. But like, I was like, <laughs> you oh, do- well, it makes you a little insecure. Yeah. And then she sort of gave me the nod. I was like, all right. I'm off. I think maybe at 15, 16 year old said that to me. I would second guess when my 12 year old says it to me. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I have really good. Now she's borrowing my clothes. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah it'll turn. Just wait. I know. No, no. I'm well prepared and I'm, I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm expecting it to happen. You know what? You were mentioning mentoring. This podcast, it to me is like, this is going to be, this is my passion project, honestly, because, awesome. um, I, this is our first show. I am a, jewelry designer during the day. Um, so, but, but to me, I feel like to be able to bring this to women, um, is just giving back, I guess. Totally. And, and allowing them to like take time a to listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So just even just doing that and, and just opening, opening our minds. Another topic that we have to talk about is hormones just because it's sort of this crazy thing, um, that this is, one of those sort of topics that's shrouded in a bit of secrecy. And I don't know why it's like, we have a hidden chapter and it's sort of meant to be hidden for, it's just a funny hidden chapter on menopause just because it's tongue in cheek. It's like, we all talk about periods at this point. We know what those are. We know like, Oh, our daughter's going to, you know, and why it's the most natural evolution is menopause. And it is so it is such a dirty word. You're like whisper. It's it. such an ugly word. Yeah. We tried to come up with a different word for it. We couldn't. <laughs> I, I have faith that you will come up with your next book. Yeah, might, maybe. And it has the word men in it. Yes. The whole thing. But the, so horm- the hormonal thing is like, it's beyond words. Every doctor, we, we interviewed so many doctors for this book. They all had different opinions on oh. how we enter into this phase and when it happens to you. Is it 35? Is it 38? Is it 45? Is it when, how long is not? But the reality is the hormonal changes start. They start to slap you in the face. You, you don't know where to turn. You know, you can go to your doctor and, and, and try to, you know, figure out what's going on and, and, and then at the same time, we've got kids who are aging and starting to deal with hormones. So the whole thing is a mess. But for us, hormones play a huge role in our decision making, in our emotions, in our day to day fluctuations. And if we don't start talking about them, we're really going to be lost. Because <laughs> So I, I could literally write a book on this. I'm not even kidding. I know so much. And I have to say, I'm a pretty positive person. Hormones is probably the only area of my life where I have tried and read and done everything under the moon. And I don't have a lot of faith. And did you see a shift at a certain point? um, Or 
I think my hormones have always been a problem for me from the time I first got my period, but I definitely feel like late 30s, 40, I started to feel a little bit. I feel like in the past year, I'm 42, I'll be 43 this summer. It's been a drastic shift with each cycle. And hmm. um, I'm going to bring, I actually have a couple of guests I've already talked to that I'm going to bring onto the show about oh, this good. because, you know, I think that most um, OBGYNs will throw birth control or an antidepressant at you. Yep. Um, hormone taking bioidenticals is very scary as well. Then you'll get the occasional, and I hate to say it, male doctor who's like, diet and exercise and you'll be fine. And they just sort of shove it off. There's right. just, um, so, I, I honestly, I don't think there's one answer for every woman. I think that there is a different answer for everybody. And I think that's part of what's frustrating. It's frustrating. I mean, listen, Suzanne Summers rocks, but like, are we really supposed to read her book and know what to do? Who knows? I, <laughs> but the bottom line is, and the root cause of this, I just went to a couple of talks on this topic, and the root cause seems to be that there are no research dollars being thrown at this topic. Yes. And so because there are no research dollars, we really don't have a lot of the answers. Mm-hmm. So we're guessing. And, you know, you can get your panel, your blood panels done and your your hormone levels checked and they'll be different every day. Mm-hmm. So there's no baseline. Yeah. And so you run to your doctor, you get this like you get your blood drawn, you're like, okay, great. And like you said, most of the time they're throwing you a pill. They're throwing you some sort of pill. And most of the time they're telling you your, your hormones are normal too. And you're like, right. I, I'm not normal. Right. This is not normal. Like, oh, it's and then and then you're sort of like, well, where am I uh-huh. in this whole thing? Am I perimenopausal? Am I not there? Am I me- like I've been dying. I'm 50. I'm like can someone please tell me? <laughs> and no one can tell me. Yeah. No one. I just went, finally, I got an ultrasound of my uterus because I wanted to see like what the lining looks like in the ovaries. And again, she's like, oh, you're not even close. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm deep into hot flashes. Like, how can I, I mean, not Why be? is it not happening? And she's like, you're going to get, you could get pregnant. I'm like, what? I was just texting with a friend of mine who um, told me that even when your period's gone, you're still going through it. She's like, oh, she said, it's all bullshit. If they tell you that you're going to go through, you know, it's all going to be better when it's over. She's like, it's not. No. And sometimes it's just starting. Like sometimes Um, those are the symptoms that start to get really bad. And you're like, oh God, I know this would be like a downer. It'd be scary. But the reality is you're not alone. If you feel confused about this topic, I'll tell you one thing I've learned. One thing that I'm slowly learning. I would would say, um, I think in the all the doctors I've seen and all the people I've talked to, uh, you know, I'd get a lot of the same answers uh, or solutions to the issue. Um, I think through therapy, I recently found this amazing therapist and she said to me, what if you just gave yourself some you time? And and we're talking about the self-help and I'm like, you know, when you're in the throes of it, you're like, shut up. Yeah. This isn't about self-care. This isn't... However, mm-hmm. I've learned to kind of set myself up when I know, I mean, this is giving a lot of information, but when, when I'm getting my period and I know I'm going to feel lousy for those three days before, whatever it is, like worse than I've ever felt, I just don't schedule things. I don't go out with friends. I tell my husband to take over. Right. I, you know, I really like, I almost isolate myself from well, everything self-care. possible. It is. And, and it's hard. And, and it's hard for the people around you. Right. It's hard to explain to your kids. Um, right. but, but it does actually help a little bit. It's not a long-term solution, but I do think you have to look at it in a, um, a mental, pers- mental health perspective as well. Because you have to take care of yourself. But. That's, that's such a good point. And, yeah. and really just serving yourself, knowing what you need and knowing also, I love this phrase. I use it probably every day in my life and, and, 
impart it is all states are impermanent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So knowing if you're in a really crappy phase that it is impermanent. And if you're in a really, really great phase, know that it's to cherish it because it it is also impermanent. But but that's great advice. I think what you just said is right on. I think that's really important. Yeah. So we will, we will, you know, listen, I, I am going to bring on different perspectives on hormones. I do think it's, uh, it depends on who you are, what you're willing to put into it. I'm willing to do anything and have tried everything. And I think that, um, you know, you, you have to keep going and trying and hopefully someone will put dollars into something. Yeah. Soon. Hopefully, <laughs> it, you know, the reality is just knowing having a little bit more information of of what the laundry list of symptoms can be. Because when we researched the book, we were shocked. I didn't know that like anxiety, like severe anxiety can be, you know, part of this whole hormonal shift and having hearing problems, having vision problems, like all of a sudden, you know, having like very sensitive ears where equilibrium and your equilibrium Mm -hmm. being off your balance. Um, And they're just, there's, there's so many different, so really like doing a little bit of research, or just talking to a few different doctors about it and knowing um, that these things and, and sort of being able to tackle them one by one. You know, I'm deep into hot flashes at night and thank God my boyfriend is so wonderful and just cranks the AC up. And <laughs> I hear those are all, I, I get night sweats. So I don't think they're hot flashes yet. But yeah, they, I've been having those since I had kids. Yeah. So again, it's hard to discern. Oh, yeah. It's like so fun. So yeah, much fun. <laughs> and, and, and then they'll, you know, I'll, I'll have them really horribly for like three weeks and then they go away and I'm like, yay. And yes. then I get back. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fun, fun. Really sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Super hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Another piece of advice that we sort of give women at this stage is, it's really easy to, you know, we all have these visions in our head of things that we've had on our bucket list forever, or they can be big or small and really commit, like choose three things that you want to do or try. It can be learning guitar. It can be taking a trip. It can be, for me, I have a huge fear of being alone, like on a trip, like doing things by myself. So I, on my bucket list is going for a weekend by myself. I still haven't done it. Uh, but, I do that all the time, by the way, my whole life. I'm so jealous. I'm going I'm to talk to you about it. Cause you'll, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be really empowering. You'll love it. I mean, I went to the movies for the first time last year. Oh my God. That's my favorite thing to do. Honestly, when I'm having one of those hormonal weeks or my kids. It's so funny. A few weeks ago, I I was PMSing and I said to my husband, I said, I am going to go to the movies tonight. And I'm not, not going to do, I'm not doing the bedtime routine and you're not coming. I need you to look, I need you to deal with the kids. I'm going to go to the movies and then I'm going to come home when they're sleeping. <laughs> and I want to make sure they're sleeping. Let me know that they're sleeping because I'm going to lose it on somebody. But I going to the movies alone is one of my favorite things to do. And I rarely do it, but yeah. And, and I mean, it is a form of self care, but three kind of bigger things. What okay, are three like kind that. of bigger things that maybe you have to like save for or really plan for and, um, and commit. Mm-hmm. Commit to those three things and commit to, you know, in 20, give yourself a time frame for yeah. those things it, within the year. Yeah. You know, we're at the beginning of the year. So in 2020, I'm going to commit to these three things, literally put them on a sticky note and tape it somewhere where you can look at them and, and make little baby steps along the way to, um, achieving those things and, and doing those things for yourself. I've called this the year of uncomfortable. So anything that makes me really uncomfortable, I'm trying to add into my life. And I would like to travel alone, but I wanted to travel abroad alone. And I wanted 
to travel to Asia, which is not happening now. <laughs> well, it's certainly not happening. And it makes right me now. want to vomit thinking about like traveling by myself, I, like out of the country. <laughs> yeah, but you'll, you'll, you'll do it. And you know what? I think, I think like anything, it's scary at first and then you get into your groove. And yeah, I have a really yeah. good girlfriend, Katie, and she loves to travel by herself and she has just in her thirties. I mean, she has traveled forever and I'm so in awe of her, but, but again, picking, choosing something mm-hmm. that is just for you. So that's, that's a big level. What's another thing that you've heard women say that they'd like to do that they haven't done? Just curious or that they put on their bucket list. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a lot of times it is learning something new, taking a class. Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. I'd like, and that's something that I'd like to hear from people about. Yeah. If you have a bucket list, three yeah. things. On yeah. your, I'm going to make everybody do that. Homework. Everyone's going to have homework. Absolutely. And another thing really is, you know, embracing our guilty pleasures and having zero Fs to give. Yeah. You know, one of the most beautiful parts of aging is really, truly not caring what others yes. think anymore. And that comes so gradually. That is so tough. But when you reach, I mean, believe me, I'm 50. Like you reach a point where you truly, truly don't care. It is the best thing. Ever. My mom has told me that my entire life. She said, your thirties are very selfish. Your forties, you start to, you know, care a little bit less by the time you're in your fifties, you really couldn't care less about anything. You just, you're, you're, you know, it's amazing. And she also said, um, one of the, when I was talking about Nicole Russo stylist coming on, because I think I'm not, I like clothes. It's not my life. I don't care that much about fashion, but, um, she said, you come into your own style, even sure. in your fifties, you start to, you know, really become who you are. I, I, as a jewelry designer, I'm sure you've seen this too. I have all these friends like piercing their cartilage and getting three holes. And, and I got a double pierce, a, a double hole on my, um, 40th birthday. And I was afraid to show my mom because my mom, my whole life told me only floozies have double holes. <laughs> That's what she told me. So my life, I'm thinking, oh, oh God, I can't do that. And then you you don't care anymore. You just don't care. And you no, do you what don't. you want to do. And there's something so joy joyful about walking down the street and just feeling like I really finally am in my own skin and I feel good about it. Um, despite, you know, all the things that we're worried about. Yeah. There's something really nice. So about that's it. something really wonderful to look forward to. Yeah. My mother actually tells me also that my um your fifties are your best decade. I love that. So I, when you really think about it, there are very few women I've ever heard tell me that I have another really good friend, Kelly, who is 52 or 53. And so a little bit ahead of me and she, she just glows from the inside out. And when she turned 50, she said, Amy, just you wait, this is going to be the best decade of your life. I, and she just rattled off all these amazing things and she's right. Like, and it can be, it really can be. And so that's the, that's the good news. I feel like I'm looking at you thinking that you're 50 and when I've, my, again, my mom looks amazing, but when she was 50, I thought she was 90. Yeah. (laughs) I threw her 50th birthday party at the four seasons in a room with a harpist and, and, and like, I can't, I mean, it was just, it's so not what I would want ever. Well, it's such a different generation. It cracked me up this year in particular when JLo performed at the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. And it was really funny. I thought, I mean, yes, she is absolutely gorgeous. And yes, she, you would have thought she was a hundred years old. The way everyone was talking about how good she looked. Oh my gosh, she's redefining yeah. what fifty looks I, like, and and she is stunning. Right. 
it just it it took that moment to be like glittering on a pole and during the Super Bowl to sort of have this conversation right. about like redefining fifty. That just kind of struck me as interesting. <laughs> and and she's always looked like that. It's not like this was the first time anyone was seeing her. I it, we we do live in a crazy world, and there's a lot of pressure on women to look you know younger than they are. That's a huge theme in the book too. It really is this weird fine line. Uh, we don't want to look or act like our, our moms uh, at this age. There is a lot of pressure. And, and if you have money and you can afford a dermatologist and it's like people go overboard the other way and what, and, and this sort of dovetails with not giving an, an F, uh, you know, finding your own definition of beauty yeah. and what that means. And, um, you know, inner and outer, but the outer piece is tricky too, right? It's like, you know, we all get sort of hooked on JLo and, and Jennifer Aniston and, and feeling like, how do I do that? What cream do I use to, to look like that? Um, and, and like it or not, it's so funny. We asked every single woman what the best compliment they could get is. And when we did our first motherhood book, the answer was to be a good mom. That's the number one compliment women wanted for this last book. Is this when they had babies? They said that in general, in general, young, youngish moms at at that time, they were like, you know, and just deep into motherhood and their number one compliment that they could wanted to receive was that they were a good mom. We asked the same question to these women, a portion of which are the same from the same group, but a lot of new women we interviewed for this last book. And the number one compliment, no matter what was to look younger than they are. Really? Yes. And so no matter what, it's still on our minds. Mm. It's still important to us. Mm -hmm. And now we've been heralded as this generation that looks amazing. And and so, so the pressure is there. So it's kind of, you know, we talked to women who are embracing their crow's feet and said, you know, it's, it's just, I'm proud of that. And there were husbands that we talked to that, that loved watching, you know, their, their wives age because it just, they look sexy. And so it's, it's just a conversation to have. And it's interesting. It is interesting. And I think, I mean, I think, Comparing ourselves against celebrities is not always a great thing to do. <laughs> it's a trap. I mean, you can't it really win. is. You can't win. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I love when I look at my friends who, you know, do less and they're embracing it with confidence. And I think that's so great. You know, I have a couple of friends growing out their, their gray hair yeah. and it looks amazing. And then oh God, I'm like, over my dead body. Oh, like never, you know, and but I, I, but, but you do like, if you can pull that off and be confident about it, awesome. And so know. much less time out of your life to sit in that chair. You look at Helen Mirren <laughs> and she is sexy and she yeah. is hot. You hope, you yeah. know, it's like, it, it is finding that sort of balance, I guess. All right. So I have, um, a question for you. Yeah. If you were to speak to your late 30, early 40 something self, mm. what would you tell her about her 40s? Oh, that's such a good question. I want to cry. It makes, it honestly makes me want to tear up for mm. her because I feel like she was mired in so much pressure, so many expectations of what she should be and should do. And, um, you know, to be like the perfect mom, to be the perfect wife to, and in the process, she really had lost herself. And, um, I would really just say, you know what, like be gentle with yourself and be kind to yourself and give yourself some space and time to like nourish yourself a little bit. I love that. I I think there should be a whole episode on taking care of yourself in a way that's not this blanketed self-care, right. you know, really, what does that mean? And and how do we give each other permission to do that? And because, what does it look like? You yeah. know, like 
really tangible examples of people who have dedicated themselves in some way to self that kind of finding themselves, whether it's meditation, you know, it's just from the, from the soul perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, what does that look like? Cause that is a great topic. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Obviously get this book because it's wonderful. <laughs> and, um, I am going to have you back for a dating segment. Yay. So we will, I cannot wait to hear about <laughs> your new uh, venture and uh, we'll make sure to get a lot of questions for that before we do that. Awesome. Thank, Thank you again. Thank you. So good seeing you and having you. So fun. Thank you so much for listening today. It really means a lot. I know that most women have incredibly busy schedules and it's not easy to take a little time for yourself and listen to something that's going to help you. But I promise you that you will gain a lot of knowledge and information from this podcast as time goes on. And uh, I've created a Facebook page as well as a Facebook group. Uh, it's not a crisis podcast. I also have an Instagram handle. It's not a crisis podcast. I don't think I realized what I was creating when I came up with the idea for this podcast, but as I've grown my following on social media, I realized that there really needs to be a place of community for women uh, in their 40s or even 50s um, that are experiencing much of the same things, but maybe a little bit afraid to express how they're feeling. So please feel free to keep DMing me and let me know anything that you want to hear on the show, but also you know, reach out. I'm here. I can't always promise I'll get back to you right away. I do have uh, another job and children and all the things that we all have, but um, I, I appreciate that women feel comfortable enough to reach out to me. Um, and if you also want to email me, my email is it's not a crisis at gmail.com. Until next time, I am Dorn Wallach, and this has been It's Not a Crisis.